0: What is up everybody just getting out of work and we thought why wait till seven o'clock Ryan Talbot on a Tuesday we're getting our podcast in a little bit early this week but that's just because Ryan dropped an article today I'm dropping one tomorrow we wanted something for you to watch or listen to to go along with those articles he is Ryan Talbot I am Matt Perino this is the shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by value home centers right now for a limited time only, the, the the big grand drawing, Ryan Talbot, is on Tuesday, July 5th. So you have some time still left to go. Value is celebrating the grand opening of their new store in Bath, New York. Uh, and because of that, they're giving away 36 $250 Value Home Centers gift cards. You can enter on their website right now, valuehomecenters.com. Get yourself a gift card. Uh, get yourself some type of product to do a little uh, you know cleaning around the house, You know, putting something together. We're getting our fence done right now. Uh, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, but whatever whatever's on your mind, a two hundred and fifty dollars gift card uh, will come in handy this time of year. What is up, Ryan Talbot?
1: Hey, not too much here. Like you said, those gift cards, man. There, there's projects always to be done around the house. So go to Value. Get it. Uh, get in the raffle. You never know. You might just end up winning.
0: Speaking of winning, uh, 53 Buffalo Bills won a roster spot in your uh 53 man roster projection that went live about two hours ago. You can read it right now on Syracuse.com, kind of thumb through it. A lot of it, Ryan Talbot. To be honest with you, it's ho hum. I mean, there's a lot of just slam dunks. You wrote about it in your lead. You know, you go through position by position and you just see Uh, A bunch of names that it's just it's kind of like an iron lock. So where I want to start is with those really interesting uh, position battles, uh, roster battles. What were some of the toughest decisions that you had to make in this uh, projection?
1: Yeah, maybe not one specific position, but the way that the Bills have leaned on special team snaps over the last few years and how that has helped those depth players at linebacker, some of the uh, defensive backs, some of the running backs like a Taiwan Jones, for instance. If we're talking one specific position, though, the the toughest decision for me came down to either wide receiver or cornerback, especially that last cornerback spot. I really wanted to go with Cam Lewis. I I think that he's gotten better every year here in Buffalo. They did draft a defensive back, however. Uh, So those were two of the toughest positional battles. But, you know, how much is this new special teams coach going to have in terms of say on – uh, how many players he wants to keep across the board Are the bills going to favor certain players is, is a guy like Taiwan Jones is going to be 34 years old. Is he just going to keep being able to make this rush because of how good he is on special teams or do the bills have to hope that maybe someone else steps up this year and takes on their role?
0: The Taiwan Jones discussion is really interesting because if you have a couple of young guys that now a couple of years in, whether it be defensive backs, running backs, tight ends, and and you only had two tight ends, make it on your 53 man. We can get into that a little bit as well. You know, you're starting to groom the next, you know, gunners. I mean, that's primarily what Tywan Jones does. And you already have an elite level one in Saran Neal. So can you get the kind of upside from somebody else if you want to kind of bring somebody else along? So I think that that's a great point. And you have, Taiwan make it, correct? On your 53 man? Correct.
1: Game? Yep. On the on this first one, Taiwan makes the squad.
0: Okay. So you know, that's an interesting one because if if you're if you're Brandon Bean, if you're Sean McDermott, you might say, okay, I, I kind of found five of the toughest cuts looking at your 53 man. If I was looking at it through a lens of my own. And obviously starting out, you mentioned him, Cam Lewis, Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah Hodgins, two young receiver, uh, receivers, Duke Johnson, running back. Where is he going to kind of fit in here with a lot of guys, you know, on the depth chart ahead of him? They signed him to a one year, I think it's like less than two million dollar contract. So, you know, you're you're not seeing a big role for Duke Johnson. And then Nick McLeod, I think, is a really interesting one with a lot of you know position flexibility all of a sudden. You know, we've seen him over the last two years. He's played a little bit of everywhere as a cornerback. Now you kind of sprinkle in safety. And I think those are the five guys that I'm like, all right. How do you try to make room for one of those guys? Can one of those guys be a gunner? Has one of that has one of them started to you know take those kind of reps? I haven't really noticed any of them do that. We're gonna see that at training camp. But if you're a Nick McLeod and you're somebody that's now adding even more special teams value, then it's it's a situation where you know it's almost like the new age Saran Neal, right? A guy that can maybe potentially be work towards being a special teams guy, stand out there, but also be a depth guy uh, in the defensive backfield.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Saran Neal played about 66% of the special team snaps last year for the Bills. And you look at some of the reserve linebackers about 60%, 61%. They covet those depth players that can also really play big roles on special teams. So if a Nick McLeod and Elijah Griffin, uh, guys like that can step up and, and prove to have a lot of value as a special teams player, that could push a, a Taiwan Jones off the roster. As for the young wide receiver. Receivers. I went back and forth on Isaiah Hodgins making this roster, but you look at Jake Kummerow, again, a guy that was in the 60% range on special team snaps. He doesn't do much at wide receiver, but they don't really need him to do much at wide receiver based on who they have in that room. So those are where those tough decisions really come in. We know that McDermott has coveted special teams since year one as head coach. Uh, and unless something drastic changes, a lot of those bottom of the roster guys, it's going to be guys that can really help you out on special teams.
0: Kumaro has been kind of like a core special teams guy. It's how he's kind of hung around. They like him as a receiver. He's probably their, you know, pound for pound, best blocker at the position. Gabriel Davis probably give him a little bit of a run for his money. But, you know, I think I want to go there next in terms of wide receiver because it's it's like a log jam in the slot. Like we've talked a little bit over the last couple of weeks about potential, you know, maneuvering with different guys in terms of their roles. But after Diggs and Davis, you know, you throw, you know, Kumaro into the mix. He can play some outside as well. You know, you got four guys, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, and Tavon Austin, who from the outside looking in, their primary role likely is in the slot. So let's talk a little bit about the the thought process there, Ryan, in terms of going with those four guys that kind of, you know, they don't, I don't want to say that they all do the same things. I think they bring different flavors even in one specific spot. But is that a little bit too much? Is that is, is that's going to be something where the Bills can – Go into the season with four, uh, you know, similar players like that at one position.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question, Matt. You, you know, let's start with Jameson Crowder. Crowder was brought in here to kind of assume the Cole Beasley role. At least in my opinion, that's what he's supposed to do. He, the one area that he's better at Cole, than Cole Beasley is the yards after the catch. That's another element that Josh Allen uh, has specifically come out and said that's that's an area where the offense wants to improve. So I, I like him to be that. Primary slot receiver Isaiah McKenzie, uh, he's been a gadget guy over the last few years. You saw what he could do in the slot, especially against a ma- uh, man defense when they went against the Patriots. Uh, I think that he can take on a little bit of a bigger role. uh Shakir is interesting. Obviously, I agree. His best projected spot in the NFL is out of the slot, but I do remember Brandon Bean saying, "You know what? We're going to play. We're going to try him on the outside. We're going to try him on the inside. We're going to find." Uh, where he best fits so he might be someone that has to play a little bit out of place as a rookie maybe play a little bit more on the outside uh, if he wants to get onto the field and then Tavon Austin you know I have him on this initial projection more so again it, it goes back to special teams I think that he can help them out as a punt returner I think that on offense however they covet speed and if Stevenson Marquez Stevenson that is uh, struggles to catch the ball, you're you're better off going with a veteran like Tavon Austin who can stretch the field a little bit, maybe clear some things out across the middle for a Jamison Crowder or underneath for one of your outside guys. Uh, I think there's a lot of value there in that, even if he doesn't put up a big stat line in 2022.
0: For me, I think you really kind of ironed it down to an important battle, and that is what I think is going to be Shakir against Tavon Austin. Listen, I'm I'm not going to sit here today and come totally off of my bold prediction from a couple months ago, saying that you know one crazy thing that could happen is maybe Jamison Crowder not making this roster. There's no guarantee that he's on the final 53. I think he's going to have to earn it. I think he's done a lot of that already in the in, just in minicamp. He's showed up. He's kind of been that 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 veteran. He's made some plays. You know, he's making his mark in the room with the way that he works. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that there's a a definite path for you know especially with what he brings. But for me, Austin and, and Shakir is going to be interesting. I, I think Shakir has to provide as much value as possible to earn that spot. And that's even if the Bills want to keep seven, right? Because I think the other six that you mentioned, whether it be Kumaro, whether it maybe be Isaiah Hodgins beating Kumaro out, finally a former draft pick, if he can have a really strong uh, training camp and preseason, we'll see. I think you could kind of get Kumaro maybe back on the practice squad. But anyway, that's a, that's another conversation that we can maybe have as well. I think Tavon Austin, at the end of the day, as you get to the 53, it's going to be easier to get him on the practice squad than it will be to get Shakir. And that's why I think that if it comes down to those two, which it could, depending on how many players you want to keep, we could talk about this in a bit. I, I've been really high on Brandon Bryant throughout the spring here. Eli uh, Anku is a guy that you know played a lot of meaningful minutes for them last year. A lot of meaningful snaps, I should say. And so if you want one of those guys, if you're Sean McDermott sitting there and saying, I know we're more talented on the defensive line, but I can't get away from it. We kept 11 last year. I got to keep at least 10. You're going to have to shave in other places. You got the bills only keeping two tight ends. That's very plausible. I, th- I think they can get to the end of uh, August and say, we think we can get Tommy Sweeney, uh, Jalen Weidemeyer back on our, um, our practice squad. We're going to go with two there and we're going to keep in other places. Um, so Shakir versus Austin. What's the market been for Austin all offseason? I don't think teams were beating down his door to add him to the roster. And to me, he's a guy that despite what he does without pads on, and even if he has a, fu- like an absolute firecracker training camp, I can see a situation where Sh- Shakir is a valuable guy that they just drafted and they want to keep him in the roster and maybe try to sneak Austin onto the practice squad. And that doesn't ma- necessarily mean that Austin won't factor in on game days, even especially if they could call him up. Uh, kind of figure out that situation, or maybe there's an injury early on and they decide to call him off the practice squad. I just think that there's a little bit more maneuver maneuverability there with Austin than there will be with Shakir. What are your thoughts on that?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, you just said it yourself. Tavon Austin was sitting out here until a few weeks ago. Um, he's someone that hasn't put up a, a huge stat line since early on in his career with the Rams. You know, he's dynamic. You know, he brings speed, but he's also 32 He's getting up there in age where a guy like Khalil Shakir, yes, he was a day three pick, but it was also a pick that was lauded by a lot of people saying, hey, the Bills would have taken this guy on day two of the draft. We would have loved this move. Uh, There's a lot of reasons to be positive about his upside, and he's not someone you're going to be able to sneak out of the practice squad. It's why last year the Bills had to have a guy like Tommy Doyle on their initial 53-man roster. There are certain players, especially rookies, that there's no way they're going to clear the waivers. They're going to get claimed by another team. You're going to lose out on someone you just drafted. So when it comes down to that discussion, if that specifically takes place, 100% Tavon Austin goes to the practice squad. You can elevate him. You can see what he can do early on the season as a returner um and then obviously you know unfortunately part of the game is injuries occur and all it takes is one injury for him then to get signed to the 53 man roster in some capacity so 100% in agreement with you on that one Matt
0: Richard Greenwood on YouTube says that Jamison Crowder is a lock to make a ro- the roster and Isaiah McKenzie is in trouble I will go out on a limb here Ryan Talbot I will go out here on a crazy limb maybe maybe that's a crazy limb there is absolutely zero chance that Isaiah McKenzie isn't on the Bills 53-man roster. Zero percent chance that Isaiah McKenzie doesn't make the 53-man roster. So I tweeted something out a couple of days ago. We talked to Isaiah McKenzie. I missed the availability because I was doing a side interview off to the side. And I went back and I I read or I I transcribed the interview later on. And I just listened to him talking about the experience of going to L.A. and performing on uh, America's Got Talent. And then coming back and obviously going to camp. And then when it was going to air, watching it with his teammates. And, you know, there's so many levels to what Isaiah McKenzie brings to the bills that you can't really just explain away in the football stuff. I mean, what he means in the locker room. When I brought up Colby's going from Cole Beasley to potentially Crowder, Shakir McKenzie, Josh Allen stopped me deadpan. Like in the middle of me talking like, just so everybody knows I've been with Isaiah McKenzie longer than I've been with Cole Beasley. He was here in 2018 when the bills claimed him. So when you talk about a chemistry, when you talk about knowing a guy on the field, I think one of the big reasons reading between the lines there that, that McKenzie has been so good in these spot start opportunities is because he has this natural chemistry, chemistry with Josh Allen. They've worked together in practice for four years. He, he's been with him longer than anybody in that receiving core. So I just think McKenzie brings more. I think he's got a higher ceiling than anybody in this receiver core, not named Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis.
1: I like that, man. Listen, you mentioned it. Isaiah McKenzie has been here a long time. He knows the system really well. That's important because, Uh, With Ken Dorsey being the offensive coordinator, yes, there's going to be some changes, but a lot of the things are going to stay the same, and that also benefits Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, I'm not willing to say he's 100% locked, but I think his odds of making this roster are very, very strong. Whereas a few years ago, he was always one of those bubble guys who you know, showed up during training camp in the preseason and did enough to uh, claim a spot. I think this year he's definitely on the right side of the bubble as we enter uh, the summer as we enter training camp, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what how the Bills break down that dynamic of outside players versus slot receivers, because like you mentioned initially, they do have a lot of guys, at least on my initial pro, uh, projection, that do fit best in the slot.
0: Before we get to the defensive side, and we got to kind of cycle through this really quickly here. There's not a lot of uh, you know intrigue to the 53 man roster projection at this point it's a couple guys here and there. I had Reggie Gilliam off of my first 53 man and and I would redo that if I had another opportunity that was a that was a, a an F a foul an L that I had to take that was not a, a wise dude. he's so integral to what they do on special teams he has a great relationship with Matthew Smiley. I think he will be on that roster so offensive line you have Greg Van Roten as a cut and I mentioned in our chat as we were kind of going back and forth I think van Roten, Greg Mance, one of these interior players that Brandon Bean went out and got. I think they could be one of those trade candidates late in training camp, late in preseason. When you're looking to maybe add future value and instead of cutting a guy, you could try to flip him for some for a pick, even a seventh round pick. If that if that be the case. Do you think that he kind of fits into that mold there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, they traded Russell Bodine a few years ago uh, and he was someone that was having a very bad summer. And you still found a Patriots team that traded for him. They He didn't end up making their roster. Uh, But, yeah, these are valuable players. These are veterans that have a lot of experience. I don't think there's teams knocking down the door to bring in Greg Mance or Greg Van Roten Uh, to be a starter, but you want depth. You want guys that have that experience, and both of them bring that to the table. You know, uh, I went with Mance because he's been here a little bit longer. Van Roten, the Bills had interest in him back in 2020, I believe. Uh, So there's reason to believe he has a chance to stick as well. It just came down to a numbers game uh, with Cody Ford claiming that final spot, someone that you've talked about a lot in the last few months in terms of, you know, final chance coming up here with Aaron Cromer. Rookie deal, uh, second round, former second round pick, a lot of, I don't want to say hype around this season, but he needs to step up to the plate because if not, that bus label firmly goes on Cody Ford and he goes down as Brandon Bean's worst draft pick as Bill's GM by far, uh, considering where he was drafted and what they've gotten out of him so far. So, yeah, I think that one of those veterans that you mentioned are definitely in play for a late day three pick, a conditional pick, because that's the most valuable spot in the league, obviously minus franchise quarterback. You're always looking to build up in the trenches on the offensive and defensive line. And Mance and Van Roten both have a lot of experience that teams covet this time of year, especially as the regular season approaches and injuries take place.
0: Yeah, if Mance and Van Roten kind of become some version of maybe early Daryl Williams and for his run in Buffalo, John Feliciano, I totally could see... You know, if the, if the bills don't see enough over the course of, you know, end of July, August from Cody Ford, just deciding to move on for both parties, right? Like it's, it's never worked out. There's probably not a path to a starting job for him as good as he could probably play in the preseason. I think Ryan Bates is going to be that guy at at right guard. And I only say that because uh, Roger Saffold has played left guard uh, for the majority of his uh, last few years. So yeah, I think that'll be interesting. Let's go to the flip to the defensive side for a second. Again, Not a lot of crazy calls. You have Balin Spector uh, as making the roster. You can kind of get into that a little bit. Ilianku and Brandon Bryant, they are both cuts. uh, Obviously, priority practice squad guys. And then Cam Lewis. It's going to be a tough one, but because they drafted Kyer Elam, I mean, you just have to probably continue to hope that you could stash him on the practice squad, but I think he's going to have the kind of preseason if he stays healthy. That's probably not the case, but because of the depth they have, that's just probably going to end up being something that, you know, they're not going to cut Dane Jackson. They're not going to cut Saran Neal. And I think you get to a point where, you know, you, you got to you gotta move on.
1: Yeah. Uh, starting on the defensive line, Brandon, Brian, Anku were two of the toughest cuts because I know the Bills like to go heavy there. And I only had nine initially. I think that one or both would be priority guys in the practice squad. I felt like Brian, especially for me, and I know you you were seeing Anku's praises recently. I felt like Bryant, whenever he did get some opportunities to play, he always made one or two big plays uh, per game. It, it just kind of came down to the numbers. You already have Daquan Jones who's going to play, I think, a lot of reps. He's going to be that uh, space eater. He's going to clean things up, make life easier for at Oliver, who's going to be starting next to him. You have Tim Settle. You have Jordan Phillips. There's four guys right there for that rotation. Uh, obviously, ideal world. One of those guys will make it, though, is the fifth defensive tackle linebacker bail inspector it came down to andre smith and his suspension the the bills have a lot of depth linebackers that the bills really count on from a special teams uh perspective So, obviously, Tyler Madakevich leads the way there for the Bills in terms of linebacker with special teams snaps. Tyrell Dodson was second. And then you had Smith right there third, about 260, 270 snaps on special teams. And with him being suspended for the first six uh, games of the 2022 season, I think that opens the door for Bale Inspector to show what he can do this summer at training camp in the preseason, claim that final linebacker spot early in in the year, play a lot of special teams reps and then give the bills the decision to make after six weeks, finally defensive back cam Lewis toughest decision. I agree with that. Uh, obviously I went with Christian Benford as my last cornerback, a, a pick. now, mind you small school player day three pick. Could the bills get him onto their practice squad? I think conceivably, yes, they could. But at this time I went with the rookie over the experienced cam Lewis, the bills might say, Hey, listen, we like what cam brings to the table. He's gotten better every year. And then there's two young guys that we've mentioned as well. Nick McLeod, Elijah Griffin, both guys made some plays, uh, you know, early on here in the last few weeks. What can they do this summer to kind of take that next step and show that maybe they deserve that final roster spot?
0: Some folks in the comments talking about Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips a little bit. And, you know, if, if Lawson were to be a cut, would it be a surprise cut? I, I think I'm at the point where I'd call Jordan Phillips pretty close to a lock to make the roster. And I'd say that if, if, it would be a pretty shocking development if Shaq Lawson got caught. Just because what they know and, and said he brings in that defensive line room and the fact that he's so cheap, Ryan. Like mm. Von having Von Miller here is great, right? But there's three young defensive ends that this, this this regime has to continue to develop. Shaq Lawson played two seasons, two, three seasons. What was it? 17, 18, 19. So three seasons. With this regime, under Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, he knows it because of what Shaq brings, because of the fact that, you know, in practice, Micah Hyde talked about it last year. When we were talking about Shaq, the Bills bringing Shaq back, one of the things that I thought could be so impactful was what he brings in practice. High energy guy in the locker room, you know, getting young guys up every single day when it's kind of tough, you know, when you get into November and December. They're going to really covet that. They're going to really like that. And I think with that nine number, I think it was Damo that made a good point. He said, didn't they keep 10 last year? They kept 11 defensive linemen last year, Ryan. So I think they're going to be able to to, to bring all nine of those guys to the final roster.
1: Yeah, agree completely. Phillips and Law- Lawson are both good for getting guys up, getting the crowd pumped up. What, whether they're on the field or on the sidelines, they get the crowd into it. Uh, they get things going. So I like both of their odds of making this roster. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt
0: Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! All right, great stuff from Ryan Talbot. You can go check that out right now uh, over at Syracuse.com. Uh, full analysis for each uh, position group, why he made the calls that he, that he made. And speaking of making good calls, which Ryan Talbot always does, make a great call right now, all the way up until July 14th. So you got a couple weeks left. Head over to Value Home Centers. They have the Weber Spirit 2 E210 propane grill on sale, $100 off. Usually four ninety nine, you can get it right now for three hundred ninety nine dollars. Go some chicken, some burgers, some hot dogs, some steak, whatever whatever your heart desires. Get yourself the new Weber. Get yourself started right now. Host a big get together, whatever you want to do. Uh, what a deal, Ryan! Tell
1: a great deal. And you know, one day this past week, I came onto Twitter just to find a bunch of uh, people talking about cheese on their burgers. So thank you for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry about that buddy and notice i didn't did i tag you in it i think i did tag you in. It. i don't know i think so i think so yeah i probably tagged you in it. i apologize all right so schedule release so we mm-hmm. did this a couple weeks ago uh at the schedule release where we did the game by game predictions and uh you went through yours you landed at 14 and 3 we went through all the games uh i am going to cycle do the exercise again tomorrow. Now that we've seen mini camp, now that we really have a good idea of what this team is going to be, I wanted to kind of flush it out again, go through the whole operation. And let's do that right now. Let's talk about how I finished here in terms of what I think the bills are going to do this year. I had them going 13 and four. I had them losing the opener. I'll go through the, the four losses. So I have them losing the opener against the Rams. I think the Rams are bringing back pretty much the same team. Uh, Offensively, I think they're probably going to be clicking early on. Um, I think the the Bills adding Von Miller is interesting. I think he's going to get out for that game. I think that this defense, if they hit the ground running, they can make it really, really interesting. I'm wondering if Ken Dorsey is going to need a few weeks to kind of get things churning a little bit, right? And I think they come back in week two against the Titans with a really optimal matchup, an offense that I don't think is really built to attack, score a lot of points, especially on the road in primetime. Ryan Tannehill is going to be looking around for guys to throw the football to. I mean, Traylon Burks is cool. They go out and they trade for Robert Woods. Is he going to be ready by week two? We'll see. Uh, So a lot of question marks at their skill position spots. And, you know, Derrick Henry had the big injury last year. So I have him starting off 4-1 and with that loss being against the Rams. They go and they beat the Titans. They beat the Dolphins, which I think is going to be a super competitive game. Then they go on the road against the Ravens. You had the Bills losing this game. I have them winning it. I I think that they really match up well against Lamar Jackson defensively. I think what they did to upgrade the defensive line is going to be really good against a really good Baltimore offensive line. But again, a really competitive game. Then they beat the Steelers. Then I have them lose to the Chiefs. That's the buy. They go four and two to start. Thoughts?
1: I I like that start. You, You know, I agreed with you on the Rams game. I had the Bills losing that. A lot of that for me was the unknown with Tredavious White. Uh, The fact that they are going to be firing on all cylinders offensively in in the passing game, obviously Cooper cup, one of the best in the game. I think Allen Robinson is poised to do big things for them as well. So if Trey white's not there, I think that adds uh, makes a little bit harder for the bills to win the game. And he could be available. This was just a hypothetical back in may Uh, Ravens game. You know, neither quarterback has really played well against the opposing defense. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think has thrown for under 200 yards in both of his matchups against the bills. Josh Allen, his first start against him, not including the game that he came in in mop-up duty. Uh, he he really struggled. The second game, he completed over 60-some percent, but he only threw for 206 yards in that game. He's never rushed for more than 10 yards in one of his matchups against the Ravens. So they really do a good job of keeping him in check there, too. Uh, so I had that. I have them actually starting out 2-2 two and two to start the year before they really then get the ball rolling and go on this colossal run. But uh, I like the way that you have it broken down for
0: sure. Elliot Eisler, uh, one of our uh favorite uh viewers, listeners, uh whatever you want to say, um, you know, had a, a great comment here and talking about what Sean McDermott said last week about the the offense being light years ahead of where it was at this time last year. And I think big part of that is because of the the people that are involved, right? Like, of course, it's a new offensive coordinator, but it's Josh Allen, who's going into his fifth year coming off of some of the best football that any quarterbacks ever played in the postseason. Another year of familiarity with Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, the majority of that backfield, Dawson Knox. So I think just from a personnel perspective, you know, I think that's kind of more of what I took away from that than maybe Dorsey versus Dable. Uh, But I think it's just about where this offense is in you know, the trajectory with, with most of its core pieces intact. Uh, It's going to be a learning curve for Ken Dorsey. You know, even if they start fast, even if it goes well, I mean, this is a former quarterback. He's he, there's a really good chance that the the bills offense doesn't miss a beat, but I think that there are going to be scenario situations as we saw with Brian Dable, who was an offensive coordinator two times in the NFL before he got his, his opportunity with the bills. I think there's some things you just have to go through in that job.
1: Yeah, agreed completely. And listen, in terms of being light years ahead, like you said, man, it has to do with this roster. Gabriel Davis on the cusp of of something great based on that playoff performance that we saw uh, against the Chiefs. Dawson Knox coming off of a career best season. You add OJ Howard to be his backup. You add a James Cook to a backfield that had Devin Singletary playing his best ball late in the year. So a, a lot of the returning faces, the players getting better and better year after year. Uh, like you said, not necessarily a Brian Dable versus Ken Dorsey type of comment. Just simply put the continuity here in this locker room uh, on offense is going to really help the team probably get the things rolling on uh, pretty early here, even if Dorsey has some struggles in game or early on in the year.
0: Also, like with a guy like Ken Dorsey coming in, somebody that's been a part of the pr- first of all, he's been a part of. Part of the program for three yes. years, going into this year, so it's not like you're bringing in somebody new where it's it's completely new. And if you're Sean McDermott, you're probably more heavily involved with Ken Dorsey's operation than you were with Brian Dable. I mean, I, w- I would say Brian Dable probably ran that thing, you know, pretty much himself, right? Like that's that was part of the appeal. He he ran the offense. Sean McDermott would infuse his you know personality, and I think the overall like what the team wanted to be on that. But I think Dorsey and McDermott, I mean, they have a relationship going back to Carolina. I mean, they, they were on the same coaching staff there as assistants. And I think that I don't want to read too much into it from that perspective, but I think there's a little bit to it there as well. And I think for a first time offensive coordinator, just think about the time that Dorsey's probably had to spend in the facility and how much Sean McDermott's been around him and, and kind of watching that. So yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes and how, You know where where does Dorsey call the plays? Does he do it on the field? Does he do it up in the box? You know, there's so many things that will um, kind of play out. But I don't know. I I I do think that's a great observation and definitely a a little uh, blurb headline that stands out.
1: Yeah, agreed. And real quick, heads. uh, Any news on St. John practice dates? Head to Syracuse.com, NYF.com. Matt put something up uh, at the end of last week that talked a little bit about the training camp dates.
0: All right, let's go on from there. We have the Bills then just rattling them off, Ryan. Uh, the bye week at 4-2, and two, they come back and they beat the Packers at home. Uh, two weeks to prepare. I think the Packers are going to be a little bit lesser version of themselves without um, Devontae Adams and you know a couple misses on defense as well. We'll see. Uh, and then they beat the Jets, which I think is going to be a tough game at the Jets. The Vikings, the Browns, the Lions on Thanksgiving, the Bears – The first game against the Patriots and then the Jets. So the Bills end up winning one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row to get to 11 and two Uh, thoughts on that run there. I think we both had them winning all those.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. Listen, the the Packers game probably stands out the most among the games. Sean McDermott's never lost post by Packers have never won in Orchard Park in in the entire history of the franchise. Now, mind you, it's a small sample size, uh, but that's an interesting, you know, tidbit. And like you said, they lost their best wide receiver, so that team's going to be a little bit different. Uh, The other games, you know, Cleveland's one to watch. What happens with Deshaun Watson? Is he available for that game? Is it a longer suspension than that? Uh, If he's there, that's going to be a really close matchup. But in in most of those games, well, all of those games, minus Green Bay, the the Bills come out ahead in the quarterback, in terms of the quarterback battles. And that's going to really help them out in a lot of these games. I think, like you said, tough games against the Jets. I think the Jets had a really good draft. Uh, I still think they're at least one year away from competing for maybe a playoff spot. But that doesn't mean that they can't have one or two good matchups against the Bills. That happens every year, especially divisional opponents. So, Nothing's going to be easy for the bills, but yes, I agree that those are all games that the bills
0: could and should win. Um, I almost had the lions as a loss. I think the lions are going to be much improved Uh, and we'll see what, how things shake out at the quarterback position. If Jared Goff can continue to give them average level quarterback play, I mean, they got some talent around him on offense now and that defense is going to be better. They play with a, 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 you know, they're tough football team. And so I think that that could be an interesting game. And then I, I mean, listen. I think the Patriots are going to be the worst team in the in the AFC East, so I gave them the loss. I almost had a split with the Jets just because I think the Jets have played the Bills pretty tough the last couple of years, uh, and I think they're better. But I just think in the end, like elite teams will beat teams on the come up, and I, and I, and I don't know that Zach Wilson against this defense with where they're playing, you know, Week Nine, and then again in Week Fourteen, if he's going to be able to make enough plays to beat the Bills. So I have him at eleven and two. Then I have him losing to the Dolphins at home, which it. That might be um, controversial, but I just think that it's going to be really hard to sweep this division. And so I had to find a loss somewhere. I think the Bills play really good in Miami. Uh, and so I had this, a close game, them losing uh, in week 15, being 11 and three, and then finishing it out, win Bears, uh, losing on Monday Night Football against the Bengals, and then closing it out with a win against the Patriots. 13 and four, the Bills go uh, there, uh, clinch the AFC East, Probably the one seed, maybe the two seed, uh, depending on, I I just think the AFC West is going to absolutely beat each other up. The AFC North is going to be really tough. Uh, I don't see anybody really wowing me um, in the South. We'll see. But I I think the Bills can, at 13 and four, get that number one seed right
1: yeah agreed 13-4 or 14-3 where I had them I, I think those are both realistic records for this team uh you nailed it with those two divisions S- some really good teams even the the worst teams in those divisions are going to be competitive especially in division against teams that they're very familiar with so I think it can happen I that their last loss going to the Patriots because the Bills already had the number one seed wrapped up for that final game uh so I, I'm intrigued to see what happens I, I think that uh Obviously, with the Bills being Super Bowl favorites, there's high expectations. And I think the Bills, to their credit, are ready to take on the the target on their back, so to speak. Where maybe last year, they still had their moments against Jacksonville and other games. Or maybe they weren't ready to be the target. But I think this year, they're ready to to take on
0: that role. Joe DiBiase, Sneaky Joe from uh, WGR 550, put out a tweet uh, shortly before we went on. And we got to get him on. He's one of the only local guys we haven't had on. And we've yeah. been working on something. And we'll get him on, over, hopefully, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if we can work it out. But he said um, he tweeted out the odds of Super Bowl uh, matchups. And the Bills actually have the three best odds in terms of matchups. The Bills versus the Bucks is number one at plus 1,600. Then Bills versus Rams is plus 2,200. Bills Packers is 2,200. And then Chiefs Bucks is the next closest, and that's plus 2,800. What do you think about that, Ryan, that the Bills, not only are they the Super Bowl favorites right now, but the three top matchups – include the Bills against three different opponents.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Now, it comes down to who the Chiefs lost, and they lost Tyreek Hill, and I I think a lot of the betting odds people, they want to wait and see what this Chiefs offense looks like without him. Yeah, they added some wide receivers to that room, but none of them can do what Hill did, so I think there's, there's some intrigue there. You already noted that that division as a whole got a lot better in the AFC West. Uh, you had Russell Wilson to the Broncos, some talent on defense there as well. You have Justin Herbert on the come up and a lot of talent on both sides of the ball there. And, and the Raiders, too. They had Devontae Adams. You you know, you have Carr, you have a competitive team that made the playoffs last year. You got it better on defense. Uh, I think that factors into it as well, that it hurts them in terms of playoff seating, And, and that really looms large come playoff time. If The Bills can have that number one seed. Uh, I, I think that the path for them to get to the Super Bowl, to take on one of those three NFC teams, becomes that much
0: easier. I said I, I tweeted out that uh, it would be fitting if it was Bills versus Bucks, and and Tom Brady's last game ever in his career was a Super Bowl loss to the Bills. Could you imagine that storybook ending for Buffalo sports fans? And what's funny too is with the match that just happened and all the trash talk back and forth, I said they'd probably walk it all back in you know the two weeks lead up. But, man, there will be, be a lot of media around all the stuff that those two guys talked. And I know it was for charity, and I know it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but uh, some of the things that Tom Brady said about Josh Allen, if he goes on to have an MVP caliber season, uh, does Tom Brady think that Josh Allen can beat him in the big game? I mean, that is going to be prime-time, big-time stuff.
1: Yeah, go back to the quote that you said before the match. Like you said, you know, he hasn't had a lot of success against me in his career. That will be probably the quote that gets plastered leading up to that big game, if that's how it all lines up.
0: If you are in need of anything, you need a lawnmower, you know, maybe you want to get ahead of the winter, you want to get a, uh, a snowblower, a shovel, maybe you want some tools for around the house, some projects that you want to take care of, head over to valuehomecenters.com right now. You can shop there anytime. You buy online, pick up Today in store, or find a uh, shop through their huge selection of products. And they'll ship it to your local store uh, from their ware- warehouse for free and have it ready for you to pick up. Uh, you can also text value, V A L U, to 80692. That, again, that's 80692. Join their text program, receive a $10 off, $40 purchase coupon, plus be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. All right, that'll do it for this week. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be back. <laughs> Next week, uh, John says uh, he's in Cali. What do we? What does he need a snowblower for? Fair. Well, I don't know if Value is in California, but they'll ship. If you're going to be in Buffalo, they'll ship it uh, there. and You can pick it up. Thank you so much for joining us. Hit that like button, subscribe as well on YouTube before you leave, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.